yeah, I have to say. Yeah, really just annoys me. Um, I can change the fuck out of a diaper, which I'm sure you guys can too. Okay. Daddy style. Dude. And way quicker than Trish. You know what daddy style is, right? What? It's, it was originally nanny style, Kath. It's it's on, like here. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the legs. For some reason, women have a hard time with that. I, no, I, I knock them out on the changing table. Yeah, but when you're out, though. I've done. Strong. I don't change it when I'm out. Bench. I've done. I've done. We've taken her out now to the point where now I could change her almost anywhere. Dude, yeah. back back of a toilet in the restaurant. Oh, nice. Top the tank. Dude, skill. Flat down. See, my kids are too big Had now. To be done. That was a pooper. <laughs> Dude, that wasn't easy. I've been getting the mornings. Uh, Jess has been leaving early. She's back to work now, so it's like five a.m. Or you know, she goes to work like early, like people with real jobs have like and <laughs> so she'll be like here you go and then i'm like so i have to you know i get her ready i take you know so now it's a whole thing where i'm getting her ready and then i'm getting ready i had enough trouble getting myself ready and now she'll decide to do the blowout shit like i was telling you before oh, yeah. right when i have to leave to make a train and hand her off to like you know one of the grandmas that's gonna help we've been having grandmas helping out which is great but dude the blowout shit it's like holy lord how did you shit over your fucking yep, clothes yep up the back up the back, up the back <laughs> out, the, out the fucking clothes like dude it's everywhere i have 10 minutes to get you clean and get me out of the fucking house this is gonna be this is serious i, I had to cut it's like disaster my, mode i had to cut one of my kids out of the onesie like a cat just hulk hogan it i just yeah. fucking dude, hulk hogan him I, we, we were at we were at a pizza family pizza restaurant about a year ago right Oscar was really little. Well, he's a year old, right? So it was less than a year ago. And he's still tiny. Dude, dude, we we managed to get shit on all three of the other family members. Myself, my wife, and Barrett, who was three at the time. All I don't know how it happened, but we all we're pushing through this crowd. It was really crowded and we're pushing through this crowd to get to the bathroom and all of us had fecal matter on some part of our clothing. As we're pushing through the crowd, carrying this baby who's like, like who has exploded. Shit. <laughs> you don't understand like how like like where it comes from. You're like, this is more than than you. Yeah. You know, it's Dude. uh it's not we don't often begin podcasts talking about, you know, diapers being changed, but since three out of the four of us are dads, I just have to be I've never been envious of someone responsible for their own ass as much as i am of jonah right now because <laughs> you have your butt that's it the only one i gotta worry about i've got <laughs> including mine two more <laughs> brad including his two more mike you've got one one other butt to yeah. be concerned about mine's enough trouble yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't need that other trouble and that and and speaking of that that that's that's the issue where and you get to it when you have kids where you're like um i gotta go we're all gonna have to come in now it's like a party oh, now no, we like have a full conversation i'm like well i guess you're coming in here you go <laughs> sorry about this <laughs> like i have to have like a, a whole conversation is this bad are you all right it's terrible right <laughs> she doesn't care she's like i put on music now we make it like an event <laughs> just hang out what do you want to listen to all right <laughs> we hang out it's cool i mean it's again it's different mornings than it used to be but yeah. my kids are now at the so point where so if, I, if i leave the room and they're in there. We our, our our family room is just enclosed by fences, uh, so they just go to the fence and just hang out. And now they're at the point with out of sheer will, they can bust through. Yeah. So our bottom, uh, our downstairs bathroom does not lock. So then it's just like, <laughs> is there a party going on in here? What's up? What are you, what are you doing? 
Oh, is this the best time to grab the toilet brush? I'm going to pick this up now. Hey, hold on. So... So we, we uh, so for our for the wonderful podcast going off track that you are listening to right now. Hey, thank you. Uh, we had a photo shoot for our website, professional photo shoot. Jonah's roommate Nick came by, who's one of the more hilarious people I've ever met. So, and this is connected to the pooping incident. Uh, last night, I'm dying my hair. You know, we're getting ready to do the photo shoot, and and I'm all gray. I would go gray. My wife does not want me to be gray. She's like, you should, you should dye your hair, keep dyeing your hair. I'm like, but I don't care. She's like, I care. I'm like, okay, this is one of those arguments that I, I have. I want, I can't argue back because I can't. Right. There's nothing I can what do. What about Reed Richards? See, Reed Richards, I totally back it. I think it's badass. Uh, no, so she comes home and has to go out and do something. So we're putting the girls to bed. They fall asleep, dyeing my hair, standing there in my underwear, slightly overweight now, actually way too much overweight. Uh, got goo all in my head standing there, you know, take the, take the CSI gloves off and I have to wait 35 minutes. So I'm like, all right, sit down. Fifth fly. I'm a game of Thrones. I'm good. One girl wakes up. Oh crap. I can't pick him up. I'm covered in dye. Like this yeah. would just end horribly. So then I have to run in the room and comfort a child who's like woken up some kind of nightmare. I don't know. She's freaking out. And this is my daughter, Emily, who never wakes up. She's a very good sleeper, wants to be held. And I'm leaning over the crib trying to comfort, but I can't pick her up because the first thing she's going to do is just grab the back of my head. And I'm trying not to. Toxic hair. And I'm just like, the smell is going to kill the kid. Your brain goes like, I don't know what's in my hair. What we bought this some beauty supply store. We don't. We didn't spend a lot of money on it. Oh my god! It's it's, she's going to inhale it, and oh, she can't wake up the other kid. She wakes up the other kid. Oh my god! Everything's going to be crazy. And the first thought in my mind is, can't believe my wife left. She's not here. She knows I'm dying my hair. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucy. The most masculine statement I could ever come up with. Cannot believe you left me here. Two sleeping babies. You know I have to dye my hair. Trying to watch Game of Thrones. Trying to read the book. Oh, you're reading. Sorry. Yeah, I'm reading. I, I have I have watched. I do like the show. And so what does she say? Yeah, remember to pluck out your ear hair. Well, great. <laughs> Even better. I think it's really important that I chime in here for one second. You tell have everyone to. that Stephen is incredibly svelte. He's got a six pack. <laughs> he has, I think, he's spotted three gray hairs. He is a taekwondo monster. And the six pack he's I have is a magic the sexiest, hat. Sexiest, studliest man you'll ever meet. I'm I'm holding it in. <laughs> holding it in. Uh, I I tried yoga. Is, like yoga is your thing now. First, well, you ran for a long time. I did some marathons, and for the last couple of years, I've been doing yoga. A lot. You, and and yoga is something. And I I did it for a couple of years in L.A. and I really liked it. But I have I don't know if it's it's like I'm double jointed to the point where both my shoulders dislocate. So if I do downward dog in yoga as opposed to football what the hell um you should just take straight jackets off all I've done, i did it in college i was drunk and someone dared me and it was a long 30 minutes but i did it you could um, that shit. yeah but i can pop my shoulders out but they do it whenever they feel like it so i'd be in yoga and the teacher would come over you have to keep both arms on the ground i'm like i'm trying but if i don't like you see me wiggling my arm around i'm trying to get it back in the socket wow so i don't freak everybody out it's not painful at all it is it is there, there, i just did it Actually, you can hear it. Can you hear it on mic? Oh, oh. dude. You like that? <laughs> I don't haunt wow. your fucking dreams. Oh, man. You know what? I really shouldn't have done that. That hurt a lot. Oh, <laughs> crap. 
Oh, that was unfortunate. Great. So this leads me to, to <laughs> this leads no, me to a guest today. <laughs> <laughs> and today's guest you can see on stage with Motion City Soundtrack, usually doing a handstand on a keyboard. Yes. Our friend Jesse Johnson. And he'll usually doing it wearing a vest, which is a bold look. Yeah? You ever seen him wear a vest when he performs? No, I haven't. I've seen him wear it once, so that means to me every time. So uh, the cool thing about Jesse is when we first started recording the podcast, we brought in a lot of our friends, as we still do. And Jesse was one of the earliest recordings. So uh, here it is. There's some, uh, there's some bare bones shit here. You're going to dig it. It's going on I was I was in South by Southwest and uh, went to see Off, and you were amazing. And I think I saw you there. No, we didn't. We kept trying to hook up. We were supposed to meet at the Hot Snake show. Uh, okay. And and I got there earlier, and you got there later. And and not Hot Snakes, Obits. Good heavens. Yes. Um, and I love the Obits, but I found them really boring. So I left, and I went back to the Fat Showcase and got to see Ben Weasel punch punch oh, a woman you were in there the face. For that, yeah. <laughs> so. How could I have missed that? That was important. Um, and all I missed was the Flatliner set. Damn it. They were really good. Um, but at, at Off's merch, they, they sold 7 Inches, which was great, and, and great, like, Pettibone T-shirts, which was awesome. Then they started selling—then they had cassettes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I literally went, what am I supposed to do with this? I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have it anymore. Like, there's, there's no, I have to go buy an old car. It's called Our Music is So Cool That You Can't Actually Listen to yeah. It. That's I hate it, it so much. I hate it. And I'm, I'm, and I'm on all these vinyl message boards. Not proud of this, but like people will like freak out. They'll be like, Dave House or, or whoever is like, they're only doing like 500 cassettes or whatever. And they sell out so fast just because I think they do super limited runs. And it's like. It's, called, they, a, it's called a paperweight, right? Yeah. I mean. Like, but. Looks cool. I remember making mixtapes and and were we talking about this that I would I would buy like you know the chromium oxide cassette and I would make this killer mix and then I would go play it and it would sound like ass because my boombox was a piece of shit <laughs> yeah. like like the cassette was too good for that right. but I don't but there's still like the hiss and the tear like I don't know the, I, I kind of like the pop of a record more than yeah. the hiss of a hiss of the tape. Well, I'd always get down to the mixtape where I'd get to the end of the side and I'd be as they used to call it dubbing I believe I would be dubbing the tape I thought that was reggae <laughs> and uh, and it, like the song that I would be recording for the last song on the side would be too long and I was like obsessive compulsive enough that I would go back and try and find a shorter song to fit on there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that it would, like, be be perfect. (laughs) Oh, no. Or go back and and fade it. That was the thing I would do, That's a good one. Oh, yeah. And my buddy, he used to make all the coolest mixtapes. He didn't give a fuck. He just... It just ended in the middle of a song. He's like, that's it. Did you guys ever do that thing where, like, I had an Operation Ivy tape I listened to, like, thousands of times in high school, and it ended in the middle of a song, and I always thought the song kind of ended that like when i heard it and it went all the way through i'd be like what like i <laughs> yeah. expected at this certain point for everything just to go quiet and then like it starts over did you ever have the experience of making a mixtape and then hearing on the radio a couple of songs in the same order that you had made them on a mix <laughs> no. that always that That's i remember amazing. like what I d- straight cats into the cult who else does that <laughs> I, did, I did have a tape that was uh, i can't remember which it was replacements record that had a very musical skip on it 
to the point where I actually would like sing the skip. And I don't think it was on a vocal part. I think it was like on a guitar lead or something. But and whenever I would hear the the original version, it would you know it'd take me back. You remember it? No, because I, it sounded wrong because the skip wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I made I made a mix for somebody, and uh, I was on a you know old double cassette player where it had like the little recording knob. I think it was a Technix, and um, I put in "Helpless" by Sugar, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I just turned the record up real quick, but that increased the volume on the mix. <laughs> so that's how I heard the song forever. Some other time, time after time. <laughs> so now when I hear it, it's like it sounds off to me. It's very dynamic. I just remember being young and being able to, like, wanting to tape something off the radio even, oh, yeah. and waiting. And then the DJ would just deliberately talk through the whole <laughs> intro, and I'd be like, Fuck you. I would hate that DJ forever. And I'm like, ah. And then you just have to wait. Like, you just wait. Like, what else do you do? I'm such a loser. I have to sit around and wait now. You know, and you'd wait for it to come on. Or you'd get in the car and it would come on. And, be like, and he wouldn't say a word. Um, SNL did the most, you have to look it up, the best skit about that. Like, probably 12 years ago. It's an old skit. But it was it was so brilliant. Because the, the DJ literally talked through the whole song. But... <laughs> It sounded real. It sounded like what you've really heard on the radio. It was, it's just, it's fucking hilarious. It's just anger me so much. You know, uh, thinking about recording and dubbing and stuff, I remember, uh, geez, I must have been somewhere around 12, 13 ish. And, uh, H Street, uh, skateboards. I, like, I would get VHS tapes of, of skateboard stuff, you know, like Magnuson uh, production stuff, H Street stuff. And I remember, like, uh, loving the music. And there was all this music that I had never heard of, you know, because at the time I was living in Arizona. And I, I would, I figured out that I could take a speaker, like little speakers from like Radio Shack, and that they would also work as a microphone. And I would tape them to the speakers of the television and record it to a tape. And then I could listen to the tape while I was skateboarding to all the music that was in the skateboarding video. So then I felt like I was in the skateboard video. Get creative. I like that, though. That's how most of those bands got airplay was on these skate videos. You know, the first time I think I ever heard of uh, Fugazi was talking to, like, some skateboarders. Oh, really? Yeah. You know? And because uh, I remember one of them pronounced it, he went, "You ever heard of Fugazi?" And the other guy went, "Fugazi," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, what are you?" What is- Pennywise was all over those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too. That was my friends who were skaters. I was an awful skate. I tried it for like a minute. I don't belong on things with like we like. But anytime I was on a bike, I'd smash my face. Like I would like you know. I just don't belong on those. But Pennywise was yeah. that's where I heard them. I, I remember. Like, uh, I watch them for the music. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing the first time I heard uh, Offspring, because uh, well, I forget which video it was. I want to say like New Deal or something, but. It started with literally the, the Offspring song. The whole video started with, fuck, that song where like, they're just cursing right in the beginning, and then it went into it. And we were all, like at that age, we're like, dude, did you hear? He said, fuck. What? <laughs> you know, That's insane. I, I need that, that album. And then they sold, what, 11 million records? Dude, by the way, that album did not stand the test of time at all. <laughs> I got the Smash and the Ignition reissues, and I was like, man, I love these records. And I put them on, and I was like... The recording's terrible. Like these songs aren't good. Like, it, like there's nothing good about it. Especially Smash. You're Smash more a fan a of the, you're more a fan of the uh, pre fly for a white guy era, I guess. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess I would prefer this to that. But it's it's surprising how many records it sold and how poorly that stood up. That record because Dookie and stuff still sounds great. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, I remember that they did sound amazing when they came out. Tom, um, the guy who mixed those, what's his name? I can't think of it. It's Tom something. But I, I talked to one of the guys, and he was talking about that he mixed all those records on basically one of these. Describe it for you the see listeners. The, you see that speaker? It's a t- this right here? Yes. It's a tiny little four-inch speaker called an Oratone. Um, it sounds like crap. The idea is that you mix on them, and you can hear what it's going to sound like on a TV or something. Oh. He had one of those that he would put kind of upside down with like a little half-inch space under it, and he would mix all his records on that. Or he would at least reference it, and the idea was that that sounded like a clock radio and that like hits were made on the clock radio. That's his idea, was that you, the, you, that song that you hear first thing in the morning before you hit the snooze button, <laughs> that's the fucking song that sticks it's in the your head. the Groundhog Day So principle. he mixed on a clock radio is what he did. <laughs> well, it worked. Yeah. So they sound good on clock radios. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, hear, I hear Off is releasing uh, limited edition clock radios this month, too. <laughs> oh, they are? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Where am I going to play that? <laughs> I use my phone. I don't use a phone. I have children. I don't need an alarm anymore. <laughs> I just hear them through the walls. Mm-hmm. I remember when Smash came out that I was, I was in college, and I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. This is a good song. And I remember that the, the program director for my college radio station which was they were already beyond subversive this crew of morons who were getting expelled for you know streaking the quad and taking pictures of it and putting the editor of the school newspaper's face on their crotches and so i was like i want to hang with these guys ended up being like my roommates but this guy went man fuck the offspring and i was like i thought it was just offspring this is good to know and (laughs) i was like why why should we fuck them and he went because they ripped off ministry and i was like wait what and then I listened to uh, Smash, then I listened to Stigmata, and I'm like, fuck, they ripped off Ministry. It's the same guitar riff. And I was like, oh. And it was like my first official, what? How could they do that and get away with it? Betrayal. I never made that connection. I guess I got to go listen well, to that. Do you remember that band, The Letters Organized? Yeah. They were, we um, played with them in, uh, at South by Southwest. Oh, uh, that's it right. It was uh, Letters Organized, Coheed and Cambria, Sparta, and Us. Yes, I, I was yeah. at that. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. Uh, anyway, they just banned the Love Coast to tour with them a lot, oh, yeah. but they signed to Nitro. Um, okay. And they did some shows with the Offspring, and then they got dropped, broke up, whatever, and then the Offspring record came out and had, like, a riff basically off their record. Oh. And they wrote all this stuff online, like, we're like, <laughs> listen to this record. We were on this label. Like, it didn't go well. And uh, they post all this stuff, and I don't remember. I feel like the Offspring just, I can't remember if they addressed it. But I'm sure if you type, if you Google those two things, did they you make find some it. money off it? Because a lot of those bands will just hurl dough at whoever's. No, I don't think so. I huh. think I think I think the offspring was just whatever. The um, Mosh City, you did something really funny where you, when you released my Dennis for Life, you let me listen to it, and they said, "Oh, this is our Ben Fold song." Oh yeah, the uh, I guess that would be what the conversation. Yeah. yeah, and you listen to it, and you're just like, "Yeah, I can hear Ben Fold singing this," but it's more of like, I don't know, like a tribute not a great word to use but just like you know it's like you're obviously fans and the song is good yeah i mean that song actually was just uh and i think there's what do you call it a webisode of it but uh we were writing for the record in a studio here in new york and uh matt our bass player is super talented plays piano you know plays guitar can play drums can sing everything perfectly pitched like he's actually a jerk i think because of that because it makes me very (laughs) jealous but uh i hate people like that um, we were taking a break and matt was just fiddling around on the piano like just not writing anything but just 
just playing around, and then Justin just started singing without even like really paying attention to what was happening, and then that song just happened, just like that. No, I hate them both. Yeah, those kind of stories make me sick. Just talented people annoy me. Yeah, exactly. Because like, where do you get off being able to like you two, all three of you guys, guitar players, which means that you have discipline that you can sit and practice and do something. Whereas I have two guitars that sit in my house, do nothing, and I just stare at it. Yeah, he's up there on stage playing everything perfectly, and I'm just jumping around so they keep me in the band. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't uh, air that part. What? There's no editing. We don't like having Brad to work. He's got a job and stuff. Yeah. But I will say the uh, the bands like copying other bands thing. Uh, this one time, one of the early times that we were in the UK for one of the first might have honestly been the first time, which we would we went over there with Sugar Colt, and uh, um, I had to do an interview in the morning, and, and so I get up to do the interview, and the first question from this guy is, so. Um, how come the keyboard line in My Favorite Accident is a ripoff of Generator from Foo Fighters? First question. And was, was he German? Every No, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, I think your band suck, but I come to show. It's uh, still suck, but I, uh, I like. <laughs> your last album, not as good as the previous. Why? <laughs> so how, did you, how do you answer a question yeah. like that? I said, I said, well, we recorded that song before. For the Foo Fighters put that record out, so how could we rip them off? Plus, every time and now every time I hear that song from the Foo Fighters, I'm trying to listen to hear the keyboard lines from my favorite accent. I don't hear it. <laughs> should have punched him in the face. And that, then yeah, has to happen a should lot, have said though. anus and walked out of the interview. The entire interview was was like that was the first question. It just kept going that way. It was completely horrible. Put me in a bad mood. I called our publicist. It was like, I don't know what to do. This was horrible. And uh, that same guy had to write a show review and came to our show in London. And I remember picking it up and reading the review, and I was just like, this is going to be so bad. And uh, he starts off the review with, I'm an old guy. I'm at a show. I'm at the bar. I'm drinking some beer. I don't get it. I don't get this music. I don't get what's going on. But the thousand kids that came and paid to go to the show loved it. And in, like he, and then he talked about how everybody else there was loving it, and like kind of put a positive spin on it. It was the weirdest thing ever. So he, so he threw in his complete subjectivity at the beginning. Also, yes. maybe you shouldn't have that job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably right. Yeah, maybe you go do something else. Yeah. I don't know anything about music. Yeah. I'm old. I hate it here. Yeah. yeah, maybe just go to the bar. That's a better job. Just yeah, hang it's out. like you, you cover the equestrian beat. Why don't you go off and uh, watch the show? <laughs> Sounds nothing like Montovani. This is bullshit. Last night was so fun. Who just popped in up there? Someone, someone on AOL Instant Messenger. Last night was fun though. Me and Jesse hung out. Oh. Jesse played DJ, played emo records at Idle Hands. Nice emo records off of my iPad. Yes, <laughs> emo off the iPad. Christy front drive off the iPad. Yep. But I did record from vinyl and in seven inches into my computer so that I could play it off my iPad. So it's somewhere in there. With well, you have, one of the, you have one of the, the USB record players? No, it's... Um, it's so cool what he has. Oh, the, the iPad thing? That, uh, yeah, that was... Yeah, the blue yeah it's like a full DJing iPad. You can uh, load up. He's like two fake turntable type things, but... It goes on the iPad? Yeah. No, no, it's just on the screen. But right. you can load up whatever songs you have like in your library, in your iTunes, and then like... 
fade them, like fade them in, start them, cue them, like scratch if you want. But what's the program called? It's DJ D J A Y. Okay, it's like twenty bucks, but because my wife has an iPad, yeah, and I'm going to put that on. There. It was so much fun just playing, like going through, and then like if somebody has like people came up and they were like, you know, I want to hear uh, Burning Airlines, you know, and like so I. I I can go through my library and be like, I have that song, and then put it on, and then you know, fade it in from whatever song is is already on. Literally, people were there last night requesting "Burning Airlines." Yeah, yeah. Wow. It, it was fun. It, it was, was fun. I, I remember they played. Uh, they were in L.A. on nine eleven. Oh wow! And the El Rey where they played wouldn't let them call themselves Burning Airlines. They had to change it to B Airlines. Yep. Oh, that's crazy. That, no, they changed the marquee like the next day. Jay Robbins' new band just played here. A couple yeah, what's days it ago. called? Something. The Office of Future Plan or something. Yeah, Office like, of Future Planning. Yeah, something like that. Supposedly pretty darn good. It's good. Everything he does is good. I think. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have? We discussed this last podcast. Do you have the the app Planetary for your iPad where you can see the stars? Yeah. 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 It's all your. Well, I have it on my iPad, but it's, but it's more for my wife. See, my wife didn't care about it. Yeah, she was stoked about it. See, but then she never uses it. So. Yeah. Jesse, what other apps do you like? Because I feel like you probably know about apps that I don't know exist at all. Uh, honestly, you should have Matt Taylor in here for that. He's a really? he's what I call an appaholic. He's <clears throat> hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of apps. Uh, what apps do I like? Yeah. Like, what do you use the most in your daily kind of? I think there's one. It's called um, Flipbook. It's Flipbook or yeah, and it's um. You load up, like, what you want it to be. So, like, you can have, like, Instagram or uh, and the news, like, and you can type in literally what news sites you want. And uh, it makes it basically in the format of a uh, newspaper. So there's, like, different sections, and it shows previews of what, like, the text is and what the photo is. So it's, and it's not like you're going through websites. It's more like you're, like, looking at a, a newspaper, and, it, and it's a little more conceptually easier to, easier to read and you can but you can load up whatever sites you want in there and it reformats it i love how every you know newspaper outlet magazine is going well, the internet is killing us we're not doing anything and all the internet is doing is trying to recreate paper <laughs> yep. onto a digital format <laughs> that's it how can we make it look like a page being turned you could actually purchase a book <laughs> which would be what you know i, I want to have an app like that that anytime you want to turn something into a book it just tells you a location where the bookstore is <laughs> I have trouble with like Google Maps. I'm terrible. I use that. My app is Gmail that I use. <laughs> I use that one. It's amazing. Like you touch it and then you get your emails from your computer, that, that crazy box, and then it comes onto my other littler box. I use that one. Your, and, uh, your iPad mini. Yeah, right? my yeah. iPad mini. And then I use uh, yeah, Google Maps. Everyone's like, dude, Google Maps, you can find anywhere, traffic, do anything. And I'm like sitting in bumper bumper traffic and I'm like, fuck and i'm pressing the button and i'm hitting the thing that says traffic and it's like i don't know what this means i have to like call my brother <laughs> yeah i don't know it's i also if you call to, him that means you have to put the phone up to your ear that's yeah that, i learned how to use the speaker app on my phone <laughs> wait you can it, and it makes it so i don't have to put the phone on next to my face you can call people on an iphone <laughs> <laughs> oh shit i didn't know that there's an app for that yeah. <laughs> it's called the really? keypad <laughs> i seriously can't really use google maps i'm not lying about that i always get weirded out by it because i'm like See that blue dot? That's us. I can't get the blue dot to work. Like, only sometimes it works. I'm like... Uh, do, you st- do, you, do you still have your Blackberry Storm? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's all my years of practice on the Blackberry Storm. And that, what was that? The Palm Centro? <laughs> you, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we, when we were at Fuse, we got uh, this Palm. TV. It's like a, this phone as a promo. 
that you could turn on a TV with it. It was like a garage door opener. Yeah. was like the cool thing that it could do. <laughs> that was like the hip feature. It was like, you can open your garage with it. <laughs> or like remote control. You could like go to like a bar and change the channel on the TV, yeah. which I still sort of would want to do, I guess. It was the greatest product integration we ever did because this was like the last... <laughs> Like the, the 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 death knell of the rock show, mm-hmm. because the uh, one one of the then VPs decided to move it from its coveted four o'clock after school spot to during school at two, <laughs> and people were like, what? Why is he doing this? And his response to me was, I'm just playing around. Oh boy! And my response was, Can you play with somebody else's show? <laughs> we didn't talk again, but um, <laughs> we got this product integration for the Palm Centro, and Mike had the idea of, How about this? Why don't we put out there, Hey kids, text us on this phone from school about how <laughs> shitty school is right now? Like text us from class, yeah. And we used to get like you get kids texts, like just text like I'm in the you know third period history. This blows. This kid know. next to me is so smelly. Yeah, and whoever had the best text, we'd give the shittiest phone in the world to. <laughs> 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 Any phone that comes with a stylist. Oh, it's awesome. Do you see how hard I'm trying to open this pack of gum? Yeah, it did have a little <laughs> stylus. I had a phone that... Okay, when we were doing our second record uh, with Mark Hoppus, he had... I went to his house once and he had just like a box of phones. Like just literally 50 phones. And... uh and I, either my phone broke or what I don't know what happened, and I needed a phone. And he gave me a, it was like a Sony Ericsson kind of palm thing, but then it had this keyboard that flipped down, and you had to use a stylus, but you could like write in cursive, like just write like how you would normally write stuff. You could have an IM app on there and just be writing to people, and it would put all the letters in, so you wouldn't ever, ever have to like actually type. Right. It was pretty what? cool. I yeah. do, I do miss that the palm the. Uh, I used to use the Palm Pilot quite a bit. And oh, yeah. I got fast on it. I mean, there was a shorthand that you could use with it that uh, I could write really fast, almost as fast as I could type. That'll be the next thing with the iPhone is they'll, for people who actually want to take notes, they'll, they'll have something. The, the stylus was integral, though, I think. Except, yeah. you know, I always lost mine and then it was like 15 bucks to get a yeah, new yeah. one. <laughs> I, be, I used to buy like five packs yeah. of styluses online. <laughs> with different colors. You probably still have some at home. Yeah, I probably do. Yeah. I have a question about Mark Hoppus. And because uh, I like Mark, but when I met, I met it's Mark, a wig. What? It's a wig. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Two stories about Mark Hoppus. One, uh, we were at a Warp tour, and I was interviewing you guys, and the record had come out, second record. And in the middle of the interview, we hear <laughs> Motion City soundtrack, and Mark comes running up. In the middle of the interview, and just like commandeers the whole thing, goes, Hi, Mark Hoppus produced the record. <sighs> What's up? <laughs> and if memory corrects, if uh, memory is my. Serves. Edit. <laughs> if my memory is correct and serves me well, you all looked like, Oh, great. <laughs> uh, I will say that with a personality that Mark has, it, it makes you, well, not you, it makes me feel stupid whenever he's in the room because he just has this like like bubbly personality and he's so quick-witted and it's like he's always 10 steps ahead of you no matter what you're talking about so like my with my personality i'm just kind of like i'm not going to talk because nothing nothing will come close to anything that he's going to say but you did talk which is my next story you guys performed on the rock show and mark went up and fiddled with your keyboard and you were nonplussed. It was really kind of funny because Mark was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And you're like, damn it. 
Crap! <laughs> Shoot him! <laughs> it was really. I don't mean to laugh at it because you were very, very annoyed, and rightly so. If someone messes with anybody in the band, you mess with their stuff, it'd be annoyed. Well, but. I was talking to, uh, I forget who I was talking to, um, about playing on TV shows, like no matter what it is. Oh, yeah, because, um, whatever, yeah, there's no backstory to that. And uh, <laughs> they were asking me, like, you, you know. You could have made anyone up, and we all yeah, were just nodding. Yeah. Uh, they were asking me, what, you know, what's it like, blah, blah, blah. And I, for some reason, uh, like, you know, we could, I could, we went out and played Wembley with uh, Blink-182, and there's, you know, 15,000 people or something. And I don't necessarily get nervous because we're going to play a show, and, like, on stage is totally different. I go to, anytime we go to play any sort of television show or, like, stage setup like that, I am so nervous. And I don't know why, because we're always going to play the song that we've played the most, because it's always going to be the, you know, we've never had a hit, but what people would call a hit. And I get so nervous that something like that, like if Mark just touches the keyboard, I'm like, oh my God, what did he touch? Can I fix it? Am I going to screw up? Oh, it's ruined. It's like, <laughs> I hate it. Well, I, the craziest thing was that Conan thing. Remember when the board crashed? And yeah. You had to play the song again to like an empty audience. It was yeah. like me and like two people. That was the band you were talking about? Yeah. We talked about this last week with uh, Joe Troman. Yeah. Yeah. We played, we, uh, we played Conan. We're super stoked. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, it's like awesome. He's got two really top-notch guests. It was uh, Howie Mandel and Tom Arnold. Yeah. And so, like, we were super stoked, you know. Stop the press. And uh, uh, I remember I had, I had gone and, and, and I got a haircut just to be on Conan, and the haircut was horrible. And so, like, the whole day just started wrong. And uh, we go out and we play, and we, we use uh, inner monitors, and... Uh, like, can't hear anything, nothing's going through the monitors, and, you know, the audience is out there, and Conan's sitting at his desk, and, you know, Howie Mandel's throwing fist punches to people, and uh, can't hear anything, and we're, we're just up there, like, basically just sweating it, like, this is our first time on Conan O'Brien, and we're horrible, we can't hear anything, Justin's out of key, because he can't hear his voice, oh. and so they're, they end the show, people clap, and they sit us back to, like, the little dressing room, and they're like, we're gonna have to have you uh, do that again, so if you can come out in, like, 15 minutes or whatever, and they walk us out. What they don't tell us is that when we walk out to do the performance again, there's not going to be a single person <laughs> in the studio. No audience, no Conan, no I think Tom it was Arnold. Like me and Leslie and like one other person. Yeah. It was literally like three people. And my mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and so then, okay, guys, uh, rock out. <laughs> uh, oh, my the God. The best part was leading up to that, too. I remember you guys didn't know who the guests were going to be, and Tony's like, you know, Broken Flowers is coming out, hoping for Bill Murray. And then, like, all these, like, huge names. And then when it came out, I felt like everyone was just like, oh. Tom <laughs> and, Arnold. side note, um, Tom Arnold got Matt deathly ill. <laughs> really? Because he was talking on the show how he was, like, getting sick or something and then shook Matt's hand. I think he's the only one that got to, that shook Matt's hand. And Matt, I think, the next day was just, like, bedridden ill that's great it all comes back to Roseanne always go back to Roseanne back to that I think a daily coda could be don't shake Tom Arnold's hand if you meet him (laughs) because if there's something been passed it either originated or went through now you played Fallon yes and you wore your uh, Team Conan shirt yes Alex Party I have that shirt Um, we also it's a great shirt uh, in that song is a line um uh is, is a line, it's all my fucking fault, which on TV we can't obviously say that. So Justin actually changed it to, and I think it actually has to be harmonized by Matt, I'm not sure the specific line, uh, 
it's all Jay Leno's fault. So if you li- actually listen to the por- performance that we did, he sings it's all Jay Leno's fault in That's the song. brilliant. Yeah. You know, the irony, I don't know if they mentioned to you when you were on Fallon, the director of Fallon was the director of The Rock Show. Oh. So you'd actually, this was like the second time you'd performed with him. Nice. Yes. Yeah, why you looked awesome. Fallon was fun. He was uh, super personable and... It was really neat. Uh, in that studio, there's this, uh, around the corner, uh, is these sets of pipes uh, that Jim Henson apparently... I've seen the closet. Yeah, and it, he just painted and drew on all these pipes, and like they all have like eyeballs and faces and stuff. Apparently, he was like supposed to do something, and it got delayed like by an hour. And they were on the first season of SNL, yeah. and they were waiting... In, in in this room, and he and I think it was Frank Oz, I think, went and drew on all these pipes, and it's called the Muppet Closet, and yeah. it's still there. And the story goes that that was Max Weinberg's dressing room, oh. and he did nothing to maintain it, and just kind of let it go. Like, it should have been, you know, shellacked and, and kept and glass walls in front of, you know. Well, they've got a little plexiglass thing in front of it now, yeah. That's good. That's smart. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, going back to it, is that the, the reason that there are not many... Muppet DVDs is because they cannot get the licensing for the songs. Wasn't that the Wonder Years had that same problem? Yeah. And, and they just released them? Did they? I don't know. It's on Netflix now, but what I don't really? know. I, I don't know. I remember people saying whether they were going to put different music in or if they were going to try and get uh, the licensing. That's, but that's what they did with the, with the state DVDs. They had to take out yeah. and change the music, and I felt like it was it kind of... Well, they, they, they signed away their lives. That yeah. deal was a crappy, yeah. crappy deal for the state. But the uh, any initial deal with MTV too it was like, awful. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get the co-creator in here of the state, uh, literally. WKRP is another series that they never went to DVD. I'm looking over to Brad because Brad Brad and I are like forty. <laughs> WKRP. I remember WKRP. And they can't release any of those on DVD because it was all the songs because it was a radio station. So with licensing, because this fascinates me pre 90 something because if you listen to paul's boutique that's got samples from jaws you know like it's dust brothers it's so sample crazy they can't get sued for it now because there wasn't they didn't know what they were doing everybody was sampling like crazy didn't know what was going on but nowadays every like is there is there a limit to how many notes qualifies as a sample wasn't it was it vanilla ice that like started that whole lawsuit thing for um the the under pressure, yeah. Oh, that's. I feel like that was like the beginning of the end for sampling, right? Yeah, because he denied but it. That wasn't sampling. That was that was basically uh, copyright infringement. Oh, okay. Because they didn't sample the actual song; they just played the bass line minus one note. Is yeah, that what it was? It's like There's, it looped on like one note. It was the, like there the, is actually. I think it's it's five or seven consecutive notes of a melody. Well, it's copyright infringement. So. I know this from uh, advertising, where they are always trying to fucking rip everybody off, and they'll literally like you know write a piece of music, send it to a musicologist, and he'll be like, "Okay, can you change the second note in yeah. R five, and like literally just so you can almost make the same song." And it's really you nasty. hear that in, in, in commercials all the time. We're like, "This sounds like," yeah. but it's not. I feel right. like was there a a hum song in a Cadillac commercial that maybe was not actually a hum song? Does this sound familiar to anybody? Sound like I'm not sh- sure. The Stars song? Yeah. yeah I, think I think that was, just was actually... Song, I yeah, I, think, I was going to say, I think that was actually in a car commercial, yeah. Because yeah, when I saw it, I was like... There, I mean, great song, but 
Yeah. How was Cadillac pulling this out of the? It's like it's like they you know the other thing yeah they'll rip off the kind of the production quality yeah. or whatever. How do you do it if it's a cover? Because you guys covered Pop Song '89 for Punk Goes '80s, right? Yes. And and Goops did Build Me Up Buttercup on the Mallrat soundtrack. So does that? Does money go to the pub the publishing of whoever? Has the publishing of the song? Does any money go to the writer? Like, did REM get money off your cover? Um, I know there's words like mechanicals. Yes. And publishing involved. That's all I know. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, it's a, there's a set rate for when you cover a song. You're supposed to actually seek permission. Right. It's a gray area. Like, indie records don't usually contact, you know, Neil Diamond and say, dude, we're covering your song. on." But you do have to pay him a set. Uh, there's a set kind of rate for uh, it's a publishing rate. Um, I mean, you have to pay them all the. It, I guess it's the mechanical rate. Oh, now I'm totally. Yeah, that's my why edit, my answer was shorter. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> See, that shit fascinates me. What about like Weird Al though? Weird Al gets permission from yeah, everybody, and then clearance. just gets full yeah. clearance, right? Yeah, but now, but now the laws are getting so stringent that Lady Gaga has a deal that if you are a professional photographer at her shows and you take a photo of her, she owns that photo. Yep. Really? Yeah. 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 Kan- yeah. Kanye West was trying to do that when he was like super big, and he was like, "If you want me to be on the cover of the magazine, you have to pay me." Yeah. And they were like, "Everyone's like, it doesn't work that way." It's like, no. I don't care. Don't put me on the cover then. Didn't Didn't Metallica have a deal that it all goes back to Metallica uh, and Satriani? Didn't Metallica have a deal that when they recorded a record, they got paid to record? Like, like the, their deal with Q Prime, like when they when they recorded a record with with were they on Electra? Mm-hmm. Electra, yeah. Uh, that they part of their their contract was they got paid to record in the studio. That's they didn't crazy. pay the studio; they got paid. That's crazy. To be there. Wow. Dude, speaking of crazy, did you hear who's directing that Lou Reed Metallica video? Darren Aronofsky is directing their music video. It's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen? Have you listened to the whole Nothing thing? will help. I can't Ooh. listen to it. I, it bums me out about Darren Aronofsky too. Like, yeah, it's like he's probably on. like thanks. He's like like thanks for the Basquiat, Lars. I'll direct your video. Probably. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got to be getting paid so much so, money. Yeah. I mean, but oh. what, like, what do you do? What's he gonna do? Like, just take all the emphasis off the music. <laughs> I mean, that's, the o- that's the only way it could be good. It's the first. It's the first music video done in the format of a silent film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the only way it could be good. I don't know. I think maybe he'll just have a TV on in the background, and then a bunch of people like telling scary stories over on the other end, and then that'll be exactly. It'll make sense to everyone. Holding a Velvet that Underground like, yeah. cover and crying. That'll be it. Is that a Bangles show recently at the Highline Ballroom? Wait, go back. Long story. No. Not long story. Brian, our buddy Brian, uh, is a huge Bengals fan. And, of course uh, he is. I was like, I saw they were playing Highline Ballroom, and I was like, we got to get tickets to this. So I got him tickets, and we went, and it was like, first of all, it was, I was like really wondering what to expect crowd-wise. Yes. And it was really like bizarre older couples. Like It was like, actually, the two people that were in front of us were probably in their mid 60s to maybe 70 and they were rocking out like it was crazy it was it was a very strange mixed crowd of like young couples and then old, really old walking like egyptians like, yeah no it was uh, so anyway so <laughs> was we it st- a monday you saw the show there was a lot of th- that night had a lot of magic like we were standing were in bar. someone's room listen <laughs> i know a lot of bangles hits <laughs> this is, they first of all they the only song i sort of really wanted to hear was hazy shade of winter uh and they like totally botched uh the guitar part which i'm like really like 
You guys should. Have, I mean, Susanna Hoffs just looks. She still looks amazing, and she just doesn't really do much. Like just kind of like, hey, look, I still look great, and <laughs> and and okay, uh, so anyway, that was botched. But they uh, also there was a part where she just like we were back by the bar having a beer, and she goes, um, "This is going to go back to SNL." She goes back and, and she goes, "I just want you to look to the person next to you and." Just give them a big hug. And Brian's like standing to the left of me and they started playing Eternal Flame. And I was like, dude, we're so comfortable. Like this is like <laughs> this is so weird. And uh and then they brought out, they go, Our friend Fred's coming to play drums for us now. And Fred Armisen came out and played really? drums. Oh, wow. Yeah. And actually came out and played drums and then did like did maracas for like Walk Like an Egyptian, the uh for the encore, like came out and played maracas. And I was like, This is so this whole night is so bizarre now. Like, you know, the old people dancing in front of us. Us wasn't, making out during Eternal Flame. Wasn't Fred Armisen at your birthday thing at the bar? Yes, he was at my birthday party last year. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a cool dude. He is a cool guy. Yeah. It was just so random when they said our friend Fred is coming, and I, the first person I thought of was like, they're going to bring out Fred Durst. Like, oh, I, no other Freds came to mind. I was like, who else can they going to bring? I thought Fred Schneider. That's, that's where, where I was. Well, yeah. Fred Schneider would have been amazing too. But then, yeah, they were, and then Fred Armisen came out. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And it was just so bizarre though. The whole night was. Full of surprises. I I, I, the first time I met Fred, I think I weirded him out because I was like, I'm really into trench mouth. And he was like, really? Like, I, I was like, do you get that a lot? And he was like, no. See, I, would, I wish, I just, are there photos of you at the Bengals show? Yeah. Okay, that's all we need. Yeah. In a, in a, in a cuddling embrace with your friend during Eternal Brian, Flame? watching Eternal Flame. And, uh, and then uh, us being totally surprised when Fred Armisen came out. Like, what? There's, there's <laughs> nerdy trivia. There were kids with glow sticks. Uh, those like... I don't know what they, the flashy... That just means I leave. Flashy balls there. It was a very odd... But I love that venue. If there's glow sticks yeah. out and you're not like, and it fixing wasn't crowded. a tire, I'm out. But also, like, weirdly, <laughs> is like, um, there's like a, a little restaurant part. On, so there's like people eating burgers, too. It's like during the show. It's really weird. I saw Bob Mould there, and there were tables set up, and people just sitting watching Bob Mould play acoustic. And I was yeah. like, right on. What venues? Highline. They have like tables upstairs, and then there's tables down to like... Left by the bar. Yeah, they do have burgers there. They get burgers from Pop yeah. Burger across the street. Everyone was Wait, eating where burgers. Where do you get burgers there? You order like they're yeah, from just the like, bar. You, yeah, you really? sit. Yeah, order from the bar and you get like. Jonah's like this changes everything. <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually, and it was like really. There was like not. It was like no trouble. There wasn't a lot of people, but they said it was sold out. They were like turning people away at the door. I'm, yeah, excited, I'm excited for the fucked up show because they serve pierogies at. Uh, oh, they're going to Warsaw. Warsaw, Warsaw. Yeah, yeah, I love those awesome. pierogies there. Oh, that'd be a great show to see. So here's my question: Fucked up, right? So the term Fugazi means fucked up. So fucked up is basically just named after Fugazi. Can you ask Damon when you're there? <laughs> yeah, I'll ask him. Just like- verbatim. And so Stephen wants to know, is your mother Wheezy Jefferson? <laughs> and just walk away. And if he hits you, that's yes. What was the full Fugazi? Is it fucked up? It's from a book on Vietnam. Got ambushed, zipped yeah. in or something. He's like, it went off Fugazi. Yeah. That means fucked up. Yeah, Fugazi. I thought you were going to show a, a, a Fugazi tattoo on your arm and you're just scratching. Oh, no. I'm just Do scratching. you have any band tattoos or no? Uh, d- yes. I have a Rocket from the Crypt tattoo. Yeah, you do. I, I'm looking around. I have <laughs> a Motion City soundtrack tattoo. What? The dinosaur. Oh, nice. On... This is a podcast showing we'll do nothing. Oh, no, there's a fucking camera in here. Um, Brad won't tell us. Oh, there it is. I don't. <laughs> I honestly. I don't think it's going to pick up any tattoos, unfortunately. You can't zoom in on that? Oh, I have an it's Elvis Costello tattoo. Quality. Okay. What's the Elvis Costello? 
it's just it's my aim is true. It's, uh, it's yes. not of him or his face or anything, but yeah. But some you know some people have like uh, my friends got uh, uh, you know lyrics from "I Want You" mm-hmm. and uh, some other tune on her arm. I guess that's it. I want to get. I've I've been thinking about getting a Rancid tattoo. Oh, rock on! Just uh, basically like a trailer from the like a van and trailer that says "When I got the music, I got a place to go." Like nice. Lars, are you going to get it on your forehead? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to actually think uh, on my neck. Yeah. <laughs> Underneath the neck, the giant basically bat symbol, mm-hmm. whatever that is. He's a big Batman fan, I heard. Seriously? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> so what's the story about John Reese getting you into the show? John Speedo Reese of Rocket from the Crypt and every other band we like? Uh, okay, so I grew up in L.A. And... Uh, I was 17, I believe, and Rocket from the Crypt used to do this thing that they did for years where uh, around Halloween or on Halloween, they would play, uh, I think it was still the Hilton that they would play at. It was like, you know, but they would get a bunch of bands all day to play. And I think the the year I went, it was it was like Fluff, Chinchilla, Tanner, Rocket from the Crypt. I want to say maybe like Heavy Vegetable or Boilermaker, but kind of the whole deal. And my friend and I get in the car, and we drive from L.A. down to San Diego, and we're so stoked. Like, this is is like, we had seen Rocket, but not like their big Halloween show, and like, they usually do like a bunch of costume changes, and like, it's awesome. And we get there, and it's, I believe it's 18 plus, and we're 17. And we're so bummed. And... We're we're just walking, kind of like you know, I picture like we're kicking dirt, and, you know, like oh, poor Stupid me, you know, Hilton, yeah. San Diego dumbass, um, like this band. And we're walking back around to our car, which is I think like in the back parking lot, so we have to kind of walk around the hotel. And there's somebody kind of just with the door open, kind of with his foot holding the door open, kind of smoking, like cause he, he, you couldn't smoke inside. He's kind of smoking, and he goes. You guys are going the wrong way. Like, why are you not going to the show? And we're we're like, well, we're seventeen, and it's eight. We drove down here, and it's eighteen plus, and like, we can't get in, so we're just gonna go home. And he's like, this door's open, <laughs> and that was John Reese. Uh, and he just like he was like, go in and have fun, enjoy yourself. And it was, I I still have like photos from that show, and they they did the um, skeleton like costume and stuff and it was just awesome and I saw all these bands that I had dreamed of seeing basically at that point and you know he was just the coolest guy like you know hey kids go to this show like what are you doing go in there I would have died yeah <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> like I would have I would have been I would have screwed it up this door's open yes where are you going after the show <laughs> you want to hang out be best friends the worst <laughs> Trevor Kelly, our good friend Trevor, uh, punk rock Trevor, who now works for Disney, which is awesome, <laughs> doesn't believe you were at the Jawbreaker Engine 88 Tanner show at... Jabberjaw? Jabberjaw. He's like, I would have known, and he's very adamant about it, and it makes I, me laugh. I saw Jawbreaker at the Jabberjaw. I was at that show. Yeah. It's a great show. Um, and I remember I was standing at the... Like behind them, because right. I, I couldn't really get 
any further in. I was standing at the door where you first walked into the building mm-hmm. for that show. It was very, very packed, and yeah. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they put way too many people in that show. And I think they played, it was either that night or the next night, they did the That Dog show at... It's the night before. Avalon or Rock... It was the night before because they were billed at, at Jabberjaw as hard candy. Yeah. That was how we got the tickets. Because us and our geniusness were like, hard candy, it's got to be code <laughs> for Jawbreaker. My God! And went and sweated because that's funny because I have a fight about it. It's so funny because I just saw him in L.A. a few weeks ago and he went, I would have known. I don't know that <laughs> I was friends with Angel. I don't know that I was really friends with Trevor at that time. Mm. But, but that sounds like a Trevor topic to be obsessed about. Yeah. Like, Jesse wasn't at this show 10 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> Perfect. Did I ever tell you... Wow, well, this sounds like bragging. Uh, Please. I'm proud of... I got to put on one show at Jabberjaw. Like, no. Gary and Michelle. It was. I didn't really know Michelle, but Gary, for some reason, I remember we would go to the shows and he had an Emo's jacket from Emo's in, in Texas. And I, at the time, because of the word emo, didn't really wasn't the same concept of what it means now. But at the time, I was like, "That's the coolest jacket ever!" Blah blah, blah and, and just kind of talked to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, "I have some friends in these bands, and like, can I do a show?" And he let me do it. And and it was uh, headlining was Christy Front Drive, and then Jimmy Eat World, uh, Mineral Boilermaker, and Emery. And I'm still proud to this day that somehow all those bands played one show at. Jabberjaw. They're trying to do, Trevor's working on a, a Jabberjaw yeah. like reunion kind of show, trying to get anybody. Yeah, I was talking with uh, it's him and Michelle, and I think this girl Liz is trying to do it. Did you hear? I heard um, Mickey Mouse might be headlining. Is he really? I think Trevor works at Disney now. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, where's he going with this? <laughs> I just thought it was like a really cool band that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if Jonas like say, like, like, Mickey, uh, Mickey Mouse, Mouse. Like, dude, that'd like be an awesome band. Yeah, they're playing in Williamsburg tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. You know they're there's one really out there. They're high-pitched voices. <laughs> Mickey Mouse, fuck. That's amazing. Yeah, they do Sorcerer's Apprentice. Red pants and bow ties. Trevor did tell me that he was going to get drunk and call Blake Schwarzenbach and see if he'd do it. It's like, I'm just going to get drunk and call him. You should just go to his bar. You <laughs> can get drunk and talk to him. Yeah, he'll be in here. And I'll be gagged in a corner. <laughs> ah, you, I love you. <laughs> Explain what a Christopher Lager is. <laughs> I don't understand. I remember people that are friends with smoking Chesterfield Kings, even though they didn't smoke because of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me. Yeah. <laughs> And if you were a real dork, you would throw a pack at Blake on stage while he was playing and maybe hit him. Because you're a dipshit at the Avalon in L.A. No real reason. Fucking moron. I started drinking Jameson because Hot Water Music drank it. And I was like, oh, these guys are my favorite band. And, uh... So now I have to drink whiskey and wake up smelling like garbage. Yes. It's <laughs> very important. Yeah, Mike lost the feeling in his right hand because Mike Patton has no feeling in his right hand. Yeah, I did. I severed my uh, an artery <laughs> arm. I still can't believe we didn't know that, that Mike Patton lost feeling in his right. Do you know that story? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like an early fade in the morts where he fell and and completely lost all the feeling in his right hand. He has he can't feel like severed the nerves or something. Yeah, but it happened. still works. Yeah, but he can't feel it. Really? Yeah, that's really I had no bizarre. clue. So he could like burn his hand or something. There's no nerves. Yeah, then he could like burn his hand. It's not good. 
Let's make jerking off like really interesting. It's yeah, like a full, what awesome. is that? What do you say? Yeah. Stranger. <laughs> stranger, stranger, yeah. Where you, stranger. you sit Plus on you your hand. You, you squeeze too hard. <laughs> Curse my Which paralysis. makes no sense, really. Because if you sat on your hand, then that. it would just kind of be like, you couldn't really. <laughs> be locked in that room. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's completely genius. Yeah, I don't have any cool stories of John Reese getting me into, into shows, but I, I did. Uh, embarrassed myself by mentioning, hey, you have kids, and then just like running out of a <laughs> green room at Fuse because he was there. I wonder what's going on because Nightmarch just put out that 7-inch. Mm-hmm. I got <clears> it, and then I know he hurt his back or something, but they played all new stuff when I saw them, and it was almost two years ago. They played Yo Gabba Gabba. They had time to do that. Bracket from the Crypt reunited to play a children's show that I have on TV. Brad knows what I'm talking about. Oh, show. <laughs> I don't get that show. I love that show. You know what the problem is? Is that and it's very. I'm going to get in trouble here. I feel like it's really LA because a New York show like that would have like a, a nod and a wink to the parents. You know, like, and there's no nod and the wink to the parents. It's not clever. Like, it's just a kids show. Yeah, this is way off track. This is. <laughs> yes, it is. We recently played two shows at the Yo Gabba Gabba Live yes. in Detroit. I wanted to ask about that. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> Which was strange because it's um, it's this tiny, like, not even a, as big as a drum riser. It's like six feet long and like maybe three feet wide. And they, you, they set you up on that behind these huge video screens. And then the video screens literally like swing open and they push you out. And then you're on this gigantic stage, and you have to play a song. And we did it, you know, acoustic, and then I played a little toy piano and stuff. Three-year-old kids have no idea who we are at all. But, and we, but we changed all the lyrics to, like, you are my best friend. And, like, you know, I, I don't like it when my parents ground me and stuff like that. And it was so surreal because it's like this huge, gigantic theater sold out and we're getting introduced as the super special music friends, Motion City Soundtrack. <laughs> well, how did, how did they come to you? Because, like, you know the story of Yo Gabba they Gabba? It's, great... it's the dude from Aquabats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He started the band, yeah. so, so it's a Mormon show. Uh, <laughs> so how do they, I mean, they come to your managers and, like, you guys are on our list for Yo Gabba Gabba Live, we want you. One of our managers is from Detroit. And works for Live Nation. Okay. He's got a few ends there. A little bit. But it was really fun. It was super fun. And, and it was really interesting to see them, like, just do, like, an actual live, like, stage production of it. And, like, all the things going on. And all the people with, like, there's a lot of fans involved. Because anytime somebody walks off stage, they have to be, like, dried off. Because yeah. they're in those gigantic suits. And watching them, how they, like, layer all the suits to snap together. And it was pretty, really interesting. Wait, suits? Um. They, yeah. Oh no! I just ruined it. <laughs> Muno's not a real rock monster. <laughs> you ruined everything. My children who can't even sit up are upset. That's phenomenal. Now I wanted to. I wanted to end with the Motion City soundtrack tour that just happened that um, I could go to because I have kids. But you played every record. We played all four of our records. Every song. Over the course of two nights in each city. Wow. So it was 50, I think it was 52 songs. How many songs had you never played live before? I think around three or four That's that we had never, good, actually. never played. Um, most of which were on My Dinosaur Life, I guess, because that was the newest record. Mm-hmm. I went. It was awesome. 
And my sister introduced them one night. Yeah, she did. That's By right. <laughs> was it like fifteen, fifteen things about Motion City? This is like the, the, their name starts with an M. Like, yeah, it was. It was <laughs> That's how she introduced him. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. You might know Jonah Bayer's sister, Vanessa Bayer, from Saturday Night Live. And in typical Bayer fashion, both Jonah and his sister showed up within seconds of when she had to go on stage. Yeah. Literally, we walked in and, like, Justin's girlfriend was like, hey, I was like, and we just walked back in and, like, went in the green room. And they're like, all right, we're going to go. And Vanessa's like, all right. But yeah, we were frantic. I actually beat Vanessa there, which was, like, crazy because she was like, ah, whatever. But yeah, it all it all worked out. Like today, it all worked out. It was pretty awesome. Yes. Whatever, but yeah. <laughs> so you put all these songs together, and when you played them, was it literally in track listing order, or did you mix and match? It was all track listing <clears throat> order. So like the first night, we would start with the first song on I Am The Movie, and we would end with the last song on Commit This To Memory. Wow. We played them straight through uh, with, we took about a 10-minute break in between yeah. the albums. Uh, and it was so much fun, and it was really interesting seeing reactions to certain songs that we like. Uh, Calling all cops, for example, mm-hmm. we've never really felt that. That's like we, I, we, I love the song, and it's. A, I think it's a great album song, and it's you know a really. It was a really interesting thing that for us to do as a pop band to kind of go that route, but playing it live and seeing people actually like enjoying it and singing along was kind of a shock at times for certain songs that I didn't think would translate live. What goes into like picking a song that is an album song versus a song you know you're going to play live? Do you know going into the recording process that we're probably never going to play this song live unless we do something like this? Um, no, I, and, and I don't know how this is with other bands, uh, but we have never really written songs for like an album like with a concept of any sort of like you know like uh we need this we need a pop song and then we we got to have like a a ballad and we got to write a you know we got to make sure that all these types of songs are on there we we generally just write about 30 songs and then we have uh the producer kind of like go through with the producer and say like all right here's 30 songs what's your favorite 15, you know, or whatever. And so even if we tried to write something as a concept where all the songs went together and stuff, that's not kind of how we do it. We just write a bunch of songs and we pick the ones we like. And then when you go to play live and you're doing a tour that's not all these albums and stuff, are there ever songs that that you're recording that like like Calling All Cops that you go, you know, we're probably just never going to play this live. It's just a great song, but we're going to leave it alone. Um, You know that going in. Not necessarily going in, but... Like when we, when we first released that record, we'd played it a few times, and it just didn't seem to have the audience participation or enthusiasm okay. that other songs had. But you know, now that we haven't played it for what is it four years, uh, they have actually listened to it more if they own the record. Whereas we were playing it when the record very first came out, and they didn't know the song. So it was, it was more of a grower, not a shower. Yeah, all taters know me. <laughs> have you? So you, that's great. I love that, that the audience is the gauge for, for songs. So has there ever been a song that you've recorded that you're like, man, the audience is going to go completely apeshit over this, and then you play it and it's the opposite or vice versa? Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I personally try not to have any expectations <laughs> for any songs because anytime I think a song is going to be 
not good, it often will become a fan favorite. And anytime that I am so excited for a song, it's the opposite. So I, I've learned to kind of just let them dictate what they want to hear, and their reactions often dictate which songs we're going to put in the set. What yeah. I think is funny is the song, to me, that always gets a huge reaction is Let's Get Fucked Up and Die. Yes. Which is like kids freak out. Yes. And like who would ever, you know, like... Tell you what, you cuss in a song, kids are going to like it. Yeah. The, the, the weird part about that song is, is you know... Justin's talked about how it's uh, it's a song about actually not doing that. You know, the very second the second line explains that. You know, I'm speaking figuratively, of course. Like it's it's about not doing that, and him getting through his own struggles with his life and things that he's gone through. And he has kids come up to him like, "Yeah, dude, let's get fucked up and die. Like, <laughs> you want to go get a drink? You want to like do whatever?" He's like, <clears throat> you know, and he has to politely decline. Right, right. But it's they just not. I'm not. Some people just, I think, like to cuss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and some people, no matter how devoted and nice and great fans are, are morons. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do. That's a song that's interesting because that was a song that we didn't necessarily write like in a room as a band. We kind of had these weird ideas and were, they were like pieced together in um, Brett, uh, Brett Gerwitz, who owns Epitaph, the label mm-hmm. we were on. Uh, we were kind of doing like demos in his home studio, which was kind of like a closet, basically. But it was it had all the cool stuff, and uh, we just kind of pieced a bunch of stuff together, and it and it ended up being like what turned out to be a song that people really liked, and it was a kind of the first time we had kind of worked that way, and since have done that with different songs where we just kind of piece things together. So good video too, didn't Justin direct that? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think which one that was. <laughs> Wait, it's, it's all, it's all, it was one of his oh, all that's, one continuous shot. Yeah, the, the reason that I didn't remember because I'm not in that one. I don't think any of the band members Awkward. are. Except for Justin until <laughs> the very end of it. We're, we're playing at the end. Yeah, yeah, you're playing at the end. He's at the beginning and then you guys are There's like the 20 end. people singing it and as they pass by, uh-huh. other people are singing and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Him and... Uh, I'm trying to, I don't know who was involved with that one, but I know that we usually work with... Um, uh, there's a guy named Shane Nelson who's worked on a lot of stuff with mm-hmm. us and helped us out. And uh, Nels Lennis has, has been an actor in a lot of the stuff that we've done. He played the, the Broken Heart. He was yeah, Broken that's Heart a great video. And he's in, I think, he, I'm trying to think if he's the postman. I think he's the postman at the beginning of the uh, um, LGFUAD video. And We pronounce it LGFUAD. LGFUAD. <laughs> I liked uh, Her Words Destroyed My Planet. I like that video a lot. Yeah. I like you need to go back in the memory banks. Well, it's just it's Isn't that the last one you did. Yeah, I, I, it's a bummer because I always I get so excited when we do stuff like that and like we're making a video because I still you know we've made however many ten or more mm-hmm. videos and I the process of making the video always bums me out because it's like the f- only part of being in a rock band that's actually like work. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Blah 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 or wah wah wah. But uh, touring's a lot of work too, dude. Well, for only for like about an hour a day though, <laughs> you know. And uh, but I always get excited once we're done with the video and we, editing comes in and all of a sudden you're like oh this actually looks like something you know and uh, yeah. and then I feel like these days with videos it's like you know you put the video out and it goes on YouTube and then like it's kind of just shuffled away and it's kind of a bummer that the directors and the actors and anybody involved has spent all this time and energy writing it and 
editing it in and stuff, and then it's just kind of like a YouTube clip. Yeah, there should be some TV stations that show music. Videos. Yeah, it's a great, great idea. idea. Yeah. <laughs> what are you looking at me for? <laughs> they fired me. <laughs> they fired all of us. All three of us were there yeah. that day. I got a better idea. <laughs> we'll take our pants off and dance. <laughs> that, that's no longer on anyway. But that did, that, that did enable me to hang out with Jody Sweeten, which huh? was fun. Um, and they're fake. <laughs> Because I asked, <laughs> she was very upfront about it. She was like, "Oh, I was like, I was like, Jody, how much your boobs cost?" And she went, ninety five hundred. I went, "There you go." To some guy sitting next to me, and he went, "You're an asshole." <laughs> and I was like, "You embarrassed by that, Jody?" She's like, "No, nah, man." It's like because they look real. She's like, "Exactly. That means they're real expensive." I'm like, "Yeah, right on, right on." Do they come with a maintenance plan, like a lifetime guarantee? When you There's a warranty kind of on them. Yeah. yeah. After, after ten thousand miles. Yeah, 10,000 10, 10, tweaks. We're talking about Stephanie from Full House. Yeah, we are. How rude. So, <laughs> even the fact that, that that she was that cute girl and now you're talking about like how she's just, you know, fake cans coming in. <laughs> upsetting. Almost as upsetting as like, you know, like Jesse and the Rippers or any more of those. Uh, what were the other bands on Full House? Uh, well, you didn't watch Full House? No. I know that recently Jonah was uh, enamored with the punk band, the punk episode of Quincy. Yes. <laughs> I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about it, and then I started looking up clips of it. And there is a scene where the guy's like, you need to get punkified or something. <laughs> and they were talking about the line. I think, it was, I think it was on the best show. But yeah, and I watched it, and it's, a re- it's for real. It's, it's totally so for real. funny. That's awesome. I think I remember it when it came out. No, I don't. How much do we have? Uh, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to tell because I, I kind of started it running really early, but we're at one. We have a lot. Forty three. To, to throw in. This I would say that. definitely we can cut out that whole me and the pregnant stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna definitely cut that out. So that's a good chunk. Yeah, no one wants Mike to get divorced. Yeah, you're not gonna get divorced. <laughs> Even the part where you I'm told like, that story. To oh so yeah, I pulled the goalie and then cut it right there. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so you were pre- you brought that story out. No Listen. You. I don't know what I'm doing. I never heard that term. Pull the goalie out. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It happens. Right on. Off track. That's it for uh, this episode. Tune in next week. Oh, I can say who our guest is. This is rad. Uh, we've got Matt Devine from Kill Hannah. He's going to hang out with us. Not only is he in Kill Hannah, he is also in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. So we're going to talk about um, what it's like to have a Broadway show that goes to hell and comes back. <laughs> Brilliant. See you then. Jesse Mac Johnson. You can uh, check him out at Twitter at Jesse Mac Johnson. Is that right? I'm not sure. I think it's Jesse. But Mac you know, Johnson. you can find him on Twitter. I it's bet not that you, much you can work. find anything on Twitter. Yeah, and Google and the interweb. Um, Jesse's a fun dude. Their album is out right now. Most City soundtrack. Go back on Epitaph Records. Yeah, I think they, it's Epitaph and their own imprint kind uh, of thing too. Really? Yeah, I think it's this Boombox Generation thing, but good it's through for them. Epitaph. Yeah, good for them. Oh, that Brett Gerwitz. Right? I gotta get Brett on here. Yeah, that would be amazing. He's a fun, dude. I like him a lot. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, which I hope you do, go ahead on iTunes. Give us a review. Give us some stars. Several stars. Give us as many stars as you can find in the sky. Uh, give us a like on Facebook.com slash going off track. Check out our website. Maybe you downloaded the podcast from our website. If so, thank you. We like it. It's an ongoing um, 
progression, the website. Uh, Brad Worrell is our producer. Jonah Bear called somebody up to get Jesse here. Mike. Thanks, Mike. I'm just here. You know, Mike, I was here for this. You know what you are? You are like the most important color commentator we have. <laughs> yes. Because out of every interview, you'll throw something in there. I'm like, damn. Which is ironic because Mike only wears black. It's true. <laughs> Shabam. See you next week. Yeah.